Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you today? It's great to see you guys. It's great to see you guys. I got to tell you, it feels really weird and strange that this is the last time I get to say that to you as your senior pastor. And uh, if I haven't told you lately, uh, you are my favorite service, okay? <laughs> By far, this has always been, always been my favorite service. And so it's so good to see you here today. Uh, in case you don't know, um, as you walked in today, um, you've discovered that uh, this is uh, our last Sunday here at Abundant Life Church, and it's been an amazing, amazing 28 years, and, and God has done phenomenal things in this church, uh, for which I give him all the glory, and, and it's just such a privilege for us to have been a part of this church over these years. And to be very specific, it's been 28 years, five months, 14 days, and 23 hours in this service. But, but who's counting? I, uh, I remember way back when Ann and I met with the NWCEA, the North Willamette Christian Evangelistic Association, and they said to us, we envision a church of 1,000 people. And here we are. 28 years later, and several thousand people call Abundant Life Church their home. We have three campuses. We've planted a church in Cottony, India. We've um, built a school and an orphanage in Uganda, Africa. We've planted two churches in Santa Elena, Ecuador. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children have been rescued out of poverty and given hope around the world today because of our ministry here and I applaud you for doing that. So give yourselves a hand because you all are amazing. And this is a phenomenal church. I am so grateful and humbled that, that uh, my wife and I have been given the privilege of writing chapter one of, of this church. And I thought, you know, in this series legacy, what would I say to you? Because there's so much that I want to say to you. So I've kind of entitled this, this talk today, First Words, Last Words. Because today I want, to, I want to go back to the first passage of Scripture that I ever taught from at Abundant Life Church on June the 4th, 1989. And that was from the passage of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And if you have a Bible or whatever, you can turn to that and hold it for just a second. But before I get there, I've been accused of, on that first Sunday, of telling the worst joke ever. And I want to prove today that that was not a bad joke, okay? I'm not even sure I did it because I've got the notes from that sermon right here, and that joke is not in there. But I've been accused of telling this joke, and I want to prove that this is a good joke, okay? And so the, the, here, it, here it goes. So this, this sheik, he was coming from the, the Middle East, and he wanted to visit America, and he wanted to stay in kind of a typical American family. So there was a father and a mother and a little son. And the deal was the little boy, he just had a way of just saying the worst things at the worst time. And so the dad said to his boy, he says, now you be quiet. At dinner, don't you say a word. Don't you speak a word. And so the night arrives, and the sheik shows up in his limousine and his entourage, and he gets out. He's got this long, flowing robe, and he has this beard that comes down to his waist, and, and it's kind of like a Portland beard that you'd see today. And so he gets out. The little boy's eyes are just bugging out of his head, and his dad looks at him and says, you be quiet. Don't say a word. And so they come inside the house, and they sit down to eat, and very soon into the dinner, the father uh, says to the sheik, would you care for some wine, O king divine? 
And the little boy is thinking, I've never heard my dad talk like that before. Wine, king, divine. And then just a few moments later, the mother says, would you care for some cream, O Prince Supreme? And the little boy is thinking, wine, king, divine, cream, prince, supreme, what are they talking about? I've got to say something. I've got to say something. And so he looks at this guy. He sees the beard. He's thinking. He sees a, a, a bowl of sugar on the table. And he says, would you care for some sugar, you hairy booger? And so, so I told you, it's a good joke. It's a great joke, right? And so... I want to read to you from Isaiah. Now that we got the joke out of the way, okay? Isaiah chapter 6. This is the passage. This is the very first scripture on June the 4th, 1989 that I shared with our church. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Now, I thought, you know, this being my last Sunday, there's so, so, so much I want to say to you today, but I've got about 25 minutes. And I thought, I want to preach from uh, this passage. I want to do the same sermon that I did then. And again, here it is right here. I've got, the, I've got the sermon right here. But as I was looking, I thought, it's just not that good. And, and, uh, <laughs> And so for, the, <laughs> for those of you who were with me those first years, thank you so much for hanging with me and, and giving me the opportunity to grow a little bit. I realize it's been slow growth and, and I still have a long way to go, but uh, I decided I'm not going to preach that. But I really did want to preach from Isaiah 6, and, and I thought it would be so cool that the first words that I spoke to you could also be the last words that I would speak to you. And so about two weeks ago, I'm, I'm driving in the car, and I'm reflecting over this passage of Scripture, and as I thought about it, I thought there, there's four uh, kind of four principles that come out of this passage of Scripture that are messages that have been uh, the theme that I've tried to share with this church for 28 years. Not all of them, but there's four things that come out here that say, this is what I want to say to you today. If I could just you know, take 25 minutes and say something to you, this is what I would say. It, and, I, and it comes out of this passage of Scripture. And by the way, uh, I've attempted to get as many of my favorite Scriptures into this message as I possibly could, okay? So, so you might see a bunch. I'll skip some because I'm going to run out of time and all that stuff. But anyway, here's the first thing I want to say to you today. Keep your eyes on God. 
just keep your eyes on God. Because you and I, we go through all of these seasons of life. Some of you today are in a season of celebration, and I would say to you, keep your eyes on God. Some of you today are in a season of depression and discouragement and despair, and, and, and you've lost heart, and, and maybe it's a season of transition, maybe it's a season of loss. Keep your eyes on God. You've got to learn to keep your eyes on God. This is what Isaiah needed to be reminded of. You see, Uzziah became the king when he was 16 years old. And he would reign for a total of 52 years before he would die. And so when his death came about, this was very troubling to Isaiah for a number of reasons. One, they were related to one another. They were cousins and he liked Uzziah. Isaiah liked Uzziah a lot. And the people liked him a lot. He was a good king. And it was a great time of peace and prosperity for the people. And lots of good things were happening. And now this new young king, whose name was Jeremy, I mean Jotham. Um, <laughs> that wasn't a Freudian slip. That was in my notes, by the way. And so, and so Jotham was taking taking now the reign of the country. And so for Uzziah, his death signaled the end of what was a very prosperous and very uh, peaceful time and consistency. And all of the, it was, everything was good, but now this change is coming about. And so for Isaiah and for all of Judah, for that matter, this was a time of uncertainty. This was a time of anxiety. This was a time of, of, of fear and, and doubt. And so Isaiah needed to be reminded, and he also needed to rediscover God. What Isaiah needed to be reminded of is that the dead king, Uzziah, nor the new king, Jotham, was the real king of Judah. What he needed to be reminded of was that God Almighty always was, always is, always will be the one who is in control of all things. And that's what you and I need to remember today. Don't put your faith in a church. Don't ever put your faith in another person. And for heaven's sake, don't ever put your faith in a pastor. I mean, because we have a way of letting you down, right? Yeah, I mean, have I ever let you down? <laughs> sure. Yeah, there, there have been, have you been around here long enough? You know, it didn't take long. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and so don't ever, just listen, this church, as much as, you know, we're kind of commemorating this is our last Sunday and, and all of that, this church is not about me. And this church is not about you. This church is not about Jeremy who's succeeding me. You know what this church is about? This church is about God. It's about his mission. It's about his purpose. It's about his love and his forgiveness and about his mercy and about his, his son, Jesus Christ. And it's about us reaching as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. Always has, always will be our mission. And so just like Isaiah, sometimes for us too, when we go through seasons of transition and we're tempted to become anxious and fear, we need to be reminded who's in charge and who's in control. And sometimes we need to rediscover God. Because when the anxiousness comes in and the fear sets in, we, we tend to take our eyes off of God. And so I want to challenge you today to keep your eyes on God. When this church started, we began meeting in small groups. It was only about like about 15 of us. 
And we had these evenings that we called prayer and praise. And we would do nothing but sit in our living room. And, some, and there was no agenda. All we would do is bring our Bibles and we would, somebody would read Scripture as they were led by the Spirit. Others would pray as they were led by God. And somebody might lead out on a song. But there was no commentary. There was no teaching. There was no facilitating. None of that. We just focused on God. And that was the DNA of this church from, the, from before we ever went public. That was the DNA of this church was keep your focus on God. And that's my challenge to you today, to keep your focus on God. Because um, it's, not about, it's not about us. It's not about me. When Ann and I moved here, we moved here on a verse from Ephesians that has become one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I want to show you what I'm talking about from this verse. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we have certainly experienced that from God. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. This is what I want you to see. God gives us the power, but the glory goes back to him. You see, that's the way it always is. We, we're given the power to do it, but the glory goes to God. And so that's my prayer for this church. So to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. The power is given to us, but the glory goes to God. What happens when we go through seasons of significant transition, and some of you perhaps could be in a season like that. It could be, again, a season of loss. It could be transition regarding your health or where you're going to move or a job or, or for us as a church, a season of transition. What tends to happen is we let fear kind of creep in to our life. And if there's one command that God made sure was in the Bible over and over and over and over again. You know what that command is? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He says it over and over again. Check this out. In the book of Genesis, God told Abraham, do not be afraid. God told Isaac, do not be afraid. God told Jacob, do not be afraid. God told Moses three times, do not be afraid. God told the nation of Israel 12 times, do not be afraid. God told Joshua three times, do not be afraid. God told Gideon, Elijah, Hezekiah, do not be afraid. God told Jehoshaphat two times, do not be afraid. God told Ezekiel, do not be afraid. God told Jeremiah two times, do not be afraid. God told Daniel, Zechariah, Mary, Peter, uh, do not be afraid. God told the disciples 10 times, do not be afraid. God told Jairus, do not be afraid. God told Mary Magdalene, do not be afraid. God told Paul two, two times, do not be afraid. And in the book of Revelation, God told John, do not be afraid. I think if God were to say one thing to us today, I think if God were to say one thing to you today, what do you think it could possibly be? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I love the words of Isaiah a little bit later in the book, in chapter 26. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all of those who trust in you, all of those whose thoughts are fixed on you. If you go all the way over into the New Testament, you'll see the same admonishment given to us in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer says, let us run this race with perseverance that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. First thing I would say to you today, whatever season you're going through, keep your eyes on God. Here's the second thing. 
Admit the truth about you. Admit the truth about yourself. In this vision of God that Isaiah has, he becomes painfully aware of his own sinfulness. He becomes painfully aware of his own unworthiness, and he becomes painfully aware of his own brokenness. In verse 5, it says, he, he says, it's all over, and, and I'm doomed before, because I'm a sinful man, and I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. What Isaiah was basically saying, I'm rotten to the core. I'm bad to the core, and everybody around me is that way as well. Over the past uh, 28 years, you've probably heard me say uh, many times, maybe more than I should, that, that we're all just a little bit messed up, okay? We're all just a little bit broken, and we're all just a little bit messed up. We all have issues, right? I've never met a person that doesn't have issues. In, in fact, for one last time, just turn to somebody and say, you know what? You've got issues. <laughs> we, all, we all have issues. In fact, every, everybody, everybody is normal until you get to know them, and then you realize that we all have issues. But the Bible makes it unmistakably clear in Romans that all of us have sinned, everyone has sinned, and we fall short of this glorious standard that God has set for us. And it's so important that we understand this. It's, under, it's important that we understand we are broken, we do have issues, because once we're able to admit that about ourselves, now we place ourselves in a position where we can express the words that James gives to us when he says to humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. But, but you'll never humble yourself before God until you come to a place of brokenness. And I, and I just believe that, that you and I, at some point in our life, and, and probably over and over, we, it, we have to kneel broken before God so that we can stand usable for God. But you and I have one of two choices to make when it comes to this issue. We, we can either choose pride or we can choose humility. We can go through this life thinking that, you know, I can take care of this by myself. I can handle life on my own, which is pride. I don't need you, God. Or I'm desperate for God, which is humility. And, and I would suggest to you, since you do have the choice, I would encourage you with all of my ability to encourage you to do anything is to choose humility. Why? Because the Bible tells us this, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. I don't want God in opposition of me, and I don't think you want God opposing you either. But we want God's favor on our life. And if you want God's favor on your life, you have to come to a place where you recognize the truth about yourself, and you admit that so that you can humble yourself before God and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. So I would say acknowledge the truth about yourself. But don't stay there because this is what happens with, with us many times. Those of us who follow Christ, we, we get to a place where we admit the truth about ourselves, but we leave it at that. And we don't do this third thing that I see in this passage, and that is to acknowledge the truth about God. To acknowledge the truth about God. I mean, what is true about God? What's true about God? I mean, there's so much that's true about God that I could share with you today. I could do a whole series on just what's true about God. But in, in like a minute, I would say what's true about God relative to the truth about you is that, first of all, well, God knows you. He knows you so very well. I mean, he knows you so well. He knows what you're thinking right now. So I don't, I don't know what you're thinking, but God does. He knows what you're thinking. He knows every word you speak before you say it. He knows everything about you. Another thing about God is that God loves you. Have you ever met somebody 
and you liked them for a day or two, but the more you got to know them, the less you liked them, right? And how many of you are sitting next to that person right now? <laughs> so, you know, and, and the, the reality is, you know, you, you can meet somebody and you think, hey, they're pretty cool, but after you spend a little bit of time with them, you think, I don't really like them anymore. Well, that's not true about God. And you see, the, the, the deal is God knows everything about you. And he still loves you. He likes you. And not only that, but he also forgives you. That's another truth about God. He forgives you. In fact, he forgives you instantly. He forgives you completely. He forgives you repeatedly. How many of you are glad God forgives you over and over and over again? Yeah, how many of you ever commit the same sin over and over and over again? Yeah. And, but God forgives you repeatedly. He forgives you. He pursues you. That's another truth about God is he pursues you. I think God pursues each of us much like he did Adam and Eve who are hiding from God. Some of you may be here today, and in your own way, you're hiding from God. Well, God pursues you. Some of you uh, are here today, and, and maybe you're like Jonah, and in your own way, you're running from God. Well, God pursues you. Some of you here, maybe in your own way, you feel like you're rejected because of maybe the sinfulness in your life, and you're rejected like the woman at the well, but yet God pursues you. And the reason God pursues you, it's not because he's mad at you. It's not because he's angry with you. It's not pursuing you to get you. The reason he's pursuing you is because he's crazy about you. He loves you. He loves you more than you love yourself. And, and that's why he pursues you. And that's, that's the truth about God. And I see that in this passage of Scripture in verses 6 and 7 when it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And as I thought about that, I said, man, that's exactly what God did for you and me. Our sin is taken away and our sin has been paid for. It's been atoned for through Jesus Christ. I love Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 when it says that Jesus canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. I, I love that about Jesus and about what he's done for us. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In fact, I want you to read this one with me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God did for Isaiah what he could not do for himself. And God does for you and me what we simply cannot do for ourselves, and that is to make us right with God. And so don't get stuck on the truth about you. Make sure you lean into the truth about God because God does for you what you cannot do for yourself. And God wants to give to you a, a, a victorious life and for you to walk, not to wallow in your sin, but to walk in the victory that God gives you through Jesus Christ. In fact, when we gave the name of this church, we chose Abundant Life Church because we wanted to have a church that represented the life that Jesus gives to us. And John, I could not do this message without at least coming to John 10.10. 10. And I want you to read this verse with me too. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what you and I need to know. But you've got to receive that marvelous, amazing gift that God has given to you in Jesus Christ. And my heart is that if you haven't responded to Jesus Christ, that you would do that today. And that you would trust him, that you would trust him to save you. Because he wants to. 
He loves you that much. And then the last thing I would say to you that comes out in this passage of Scripture is to accept the challenge. Accept the challenge that God gave to Isaiah when, when he said in verse 8, he says, Then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And, and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I want, to, I want you to know that 28 years ago, Abundant Life Church came into existence because there was a small handful of people, probably no more than 15 or 20 people, who responded to the call of God upon their life, and when they had the opportunity presented to them to go for God in a new way and to be a part of a new church, they said, here am I, send me. And if it had not been for those people, and I'm looking at some of you today, and I'm, in, I'm, in so, in, I'm so indebted to you. I'm so indebted to you because had it not been for you 28 years ago, uh, I, I wouldn't be standing here right now. And you would not be sitting where you're sitting right now. And this, this incredible community of people called Abundant Life Church would not be in existence right now if you hadn't said, here am I, send me. And so I, I challenge you today, as Abundant Life has always been, a here am I, send me church. And, and we have this insatiable pa uh, passion to reach people for Jesus that just as we've always been that, it always will be. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus, so keep your eyes on him. Admit your own brokenness and your need for him. Humble yourself before him. And, and then receive what God has for you. And then become a messenger. And be one of those people who will say, here am I, send me. It's an incredible church because of that. I'm gonna invite my wife to come up at this time and, and um, I, uh, you, you don't need to clap. So you're having me to talk after he starts getting teary like that. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so I've already gone over, and so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the last minute and, and uh, two minutes to uh, express your wonderful thoughts to all of these, these uh, beautiful people. You know, when, when I'm sitting over there in this seat and I'm seeing all of your faces and, and then I sense his emotion, because he doesn't cry all that much, but when he does, it's just like, oh, it just <laughs> tears me up. But, you know, that's how we feel. You know, that's how we feel about God and what he has done with, for this church. And, you know, we, we know those of you who have been faithful from the very, very beginning. And if it wasn't for you, it's true. It's not just a cliche. It's true. Mm -hmm. This church would not be here if it wasn't for the faithful few that started back in 1989 and, you know, and have been with us ever since. And I, our encouragement to you, you know, as we are going through transition, we all go through transitions, you know, in one form or another. And our encouragement to you is just let God use you you know, we were just two kids from, you know, Mechanicsville, Virginia. We were nothing special, you know, but we allowed God to use us, and we give him the glory for that. You know, anything good that we have done, it's because of Jesus, and, and we just want that to be known from all of you, and if you're in a place in your life that you feel like God is calling you to do something out of your comfort zone, say yes. You'll never be sorry he will always be with you when you are doing his will. He will be there for you. And we are proof of that. 
So if our lives can be an example to you for Jesus, let it be so. If your life can be an example to others for Jesus, step up to the plate and let it be so because it's a wonderful life and we have never, ever regretted moving to Oregon to start this church. So praise be to God and we love you all. Thank you so much for your grace and for your love for us. And we just love you dearly. This will always be our church home. We love you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I want to invite uh, Pastor Jeremy and Michelle, if they would come to the stage at this time. And I want to say as they're coming, uh, thank you for the way you have welcomed these guys with open arms and accepted them to be uh, the ones who will lead this church forward and write chapter two. Chapter one has been incredible. It's been an amazing, amazing journey for which uh, there are just not enough words to express our appreciation for chapter one. And so, Jeremy, I have a little gift that, that I want to give to you. And, uh, and, uh, and so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a pen <laughs> to write chapter two. And it says, Jeremy Jernigan, uh, and it's not a big pen. It's, it's a nice pen, but it's not a horribly expensive, but it's not a big pen. And it says, uh, Jeremy Jernigan, AOC chapter two. And so I'm so honored uh, to hand this to you and, and to pray for you the same thing that God did for us, that he would do immeasurably more than all you could imagine or even dream uh, through his power that is at work within you. And so, thank you. Thank you thank so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I want to pray for you, okay? Let me, let me pray for you. God, thank you for uh, this past 28 years. They've been amazing years. They've been incredible years. God, we've seen your hand at work in so many ways, and we give you all the praise, and we give you all the glory. Thank you that Ann and I have had the privilege of writing chapter one, but Lord, as we look to the future and and to seeing your hand continue to work, I pray for your blessing and for your anointing and for your favor and your grace and your mercy to be upon Jeremy and Michelle, and Lord, believing the words Uh, from Ephesians, that you can do immeasurably more than all they dare to ask or even imagine. And we pray this believing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, as a church, we wanted to say thank you to George and Ann. And uh, you might imagine, how on earth do you say thank you uh, for a legacy like that? And there's no way to adequately do it. But we uh, asked a few of you uh, from the congregation, and we knew we did not have time for everybody, just asked a few, would you express your words of appreciation to them. And so I want to invite you to watch the screens as we uh, show this video. Hi, George and Ann. Uh, I'm just thrilled about this transition you're making. And uh, I remember a pastor and his wife 28 years ago when we started Abundant Life together in Pleasant Valley School, you and I standing on an 8-inch riser in the gym, uh, me leading worship, you preaching. And I remember an excited couple happy, beaming, and probably also pretty nervous. You know, displaced from the Midwest, 
coming out here, never been a lead pastor, never started a church, and you must have been a little bit nervous about what, what's going to happen here? What's God going to do? And after 28 years, look what God has done. Hey George, um, I just want to say what a blessing and a, uh, a good friend you have been uh, since we met you and Ann back in March of uh, 1989. And I just can't tell you how much it means to us that you not only chose to be our pastor, but you uh, chose us as friends. I can honestly say that you guys have been more like family members than a pastor. I've been a part of Abundant Life for 28 years now, so you guys have been around the entire time I've grown up in the church. I elbowed Terry and I said, I like this guy. He's just like me. <laughs> He's normal. He shares, his, he shares his weaknesses. You also lived out what you spoke on stage and were a good friend to many behind the scenes. When Malin and I first came here, we were looking for a church home, a place that we could call home where we would really begin to learn and to be uh, more like Christ. Your legacy is your, your leadership, and your actions that you do daily, and that that is the legacy you're leaving for us. Your legacy that you're leaving has affected so many people, and I wanted you to know um, that I'm just so thankful. And thank you for your ministry, the ministry to our people, and the ministry to this community. I think probably the thing I've enjoyed most about uh, my time here serving under you has been your heart for the unsaved and your heart and your passion to reach people for Jesus. God's given you the ability to make people understand that the Bible is God's personal love letter to each and every one of us. I came to a place where um, I finally made that decision to be baptized. You saved my life 17 years ago, and I've really never been able to sit down with you and tell you what my feelings are and how you helped me. I know that because of the faithfulness that you've exhibited all these years, both you and Anne, that your service will not end, that you will be faithful in whatever you do until God calls you home. But thank you for being here. And I do believe that when God gave you that promise that he would do abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine, that that is what he has done and you have cooperated with him all along the way. Gonna miss you. Gonna miss those Sunday morning hugs. I wanna tell you thanks for being our pastor and friends. We love you guys a lot. He's been a real good guy. He's steady, he's loyal and he loves the Lord. And I feel blessed just by knowing him. We love you guys. Thank you for your support, your years of loving us, of being our friends, of serving us. And uh, in the words of the old song, this is only the beginning, so much lies ahead.
George and Ann, this is the part where your elder team and I get to say thank you for all of those years. You and your family are so blessed to us. Nathan, Justin, come on up here. Yeah. Come on up here, guys. Here's the rest of the family. Bring the grandkids up, too. I want them to see our grandkids. Sure. <laughs> That's great. Come on, you guys. You want to come? No, maybe not. <laughs> Here they go. You never get to see our grandkids. There you go. Here's our beautiful Southern California connection. Good job. Now we got the whole family up here. 28 years. Wow. Isn't that awesome? What an awesome legacy they're leaving with. And uh, we just want to thank them for all that they've done. Um, George, for encouraging us, for teaching us, for equipping us for service. We just want to thank you and the family. You guys have been great. I remember prayer and praise in our home with Nathan reading four or five years old probably from Psalms. It was just so awesome. Um, and it continues to be today for all of us. So, And I know this is a part where the eldership also wants to help you pass a baton to somebody who God has called and God has prepared. And you've chosen, but I know God has chosen. We know God has chosen Jeremy and Michelle and, uh, and that awesomeness. But, you know, I'm not sure a baton is what you'd want to pass. In fact, <laughs> I think probably, George, this is what you would pass yeah. to Jeremy. The Bible. God's word. George, thank you for building this church on this foundation, a foundation that is steadfast, that you've stood on faithfully, you, Anne, and your family, faithfulness to teach us the, the word, the truth that is in here. We just thank you for that. That's why this church is standing today, because of this foundation that you've never wavered from. So thank you for that. We appreciate that. So God bless you guys. Jeremy? Michelle, as we have an opportunity to pass this word on to you, we commit as a church to listen hard to you teaching us from this word, for your encouragement to us, for your challenges that I know that you're going to give us from this word to equip us, to grow us even further, because I know that we all share the same vision, the same mission that George and Ann came with, and that's to reach the lost. And we're going to do that, one soul, one heart at a time. We love you guys. God has equipped you so well for this journey of Chapter 2. Thank you for accepting this challenge. <laughs> Bob, you want to close us in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning a humbled and grateful church family. We're humbled by what you've accomplished, God, and what you chose to do. And we're so thankful, Father, that nearly 30 years ago, you looked down upon this region, and you determined and you willed that there be a new church for the purpose of reaching as many people as possible for Christ. And you set out to do that. And we're grateful, God, that as you sent out the call, George and Ann heard that call, and George said, here am I, send me. And God, we're so grateful for the way you prepared him and equipped him and instilled in him those things, God, that you needed for this to be a successful church. We're thankful, God, for the way that you planted your vision in him 
and the way that you surrounded him with the folks necessary to accomplish your will in this area. And God, as George said in the message today, all of this is to be to your glory. And Father, we are so grateful that you love us to the extent that you would go to, to that depth to bring him and, and Anne and the family out here. And we thank you, God, for their courage. What a bold move. And Father, we can look back now on that rich history in that chapter one. And from that, God, we can gain the strength and the encouragement and the trust in you as we go forward. And so God, as Jeremy and Michelle accept this new challenge, we lift them before you as well. And it's our prayer, God, as a church family, yes. that you would equip Jeremy, that you would plant your vision in his heart, yes. and God, that you would sustain him in every way to lead us as we write, as you write, chapter two in this church. So, Father, we are so grateful for what you have done. We're so encouraged about what you will to do in the future. So we lift all of this before you, God. We pray your blessings on George and Ann uh, as they start a new chapter in their life. And we just pray that you would continue to look down upon Abundant Life Church with your love, your grace, and your favor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.